0: The uncertainty, change and cancelling culture currently happening in society tremendously impacts everyone, also at work. People want to feel they belong to their organization and feel inclusive in a diverse culture. Not having this feeling can cause stress, unsafety, discomfort, which in this high-pressure society can lead to distrust and health problems. In Deloitte's podcast series, we talk with a variety of people with a variety of background and expertise. I'm Anna barbara Lemmens. I'm leading the diversity, equity and inclusion proposition at Deloitte Consulting. I will have candid conversations with people working in a wide variety of societal environments to gain and share knowledge that can be used in the business world. Hi everyone. Welcome to the second podcast of Deloitte's psychological podcast series. What we can learn from. Today, I will have a candid and open conversation with Dennis Luit, former commander at the Royal Netherlands Air Force. Hi, Dennis. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Anne barbara
0: Can I ask you to introduce yourself a bit more?
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, as you said, uh, I just finished uh, in my job as commander of the Royal Netherlands Air Force. I did that uh, for a number of years. Uh, before that, I've done uh, different functions, different roles uh, within the Department of Defense, within the Air Force. Uh, and I started out as an F-16 pilot, so I've I've been an operational F-16 pilot for about uh, 25 years. Uh, I've worked abroad uh, in, a, in a couple of tours as well. I've done missions in many parts of the world. Uh, so I have a broad experience uh, in defense.
0: Maybe to start with, because this podcast is about psychological safety, do you have a certain definition of psychological safety? What is, what is it for you?
1: Well, what I've, I've learned in the different roles that I've had uh, within defense and within uh, the Air Force is that for me, uh, uh, psychological safety is, is all about the effectiveness of the team. And I, I think we should always try to put that central. So how do we ensure that the team that we work with, um, that we are, are working together in such a way that everybody feels safe to express uh, their opinion uh, to ex- express their angle to the topic that you're looking at. Uh, so how do you create the trust in the group uh, that everybody has that feeling? Um, and I think in that way, you ensure that all members of the team can can fully uh, play their role that they that they in in their full potential can play within the team. So it's really about creating the environment and the trust in that team so that everybody, can play their their role and can say what they feel they need to say
0: yeah for me and and I think we also touched you touched upon it already a little bit for me psychological safety is really uh, the the fear versus trust piece yeah. um, and so yeah I would love to hear because especially I'm not a, a I don't know a, a lot about missions and mm-hmm. uh, about uh, uh, the Air Force but I can imagine that there's also a lot of fear that can come. Uh, if you're in a mission, uh, yeah it's so how it,
1: when we when we you know go into a mission as as air force people uh and it's not just the pilots that fly the missions in mm-hmm. the air Force, it's also the whole team around it that supports that mission and and makes it possible for for you as a pilot to go airborne that day and and fly your mission usually as as part of a bigger coalition of of countries that you work together with yeah uh and obviously being effective in that mission is then uh, is very much central to what you're trying to achieve that day. But you also have to uh, survive. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's very basic. Uh, you have to come back alive. Uh, and sometimes that is really a factor when you are doing a mission in a high-threat environment. And I've done those as well as a pilot. Uh, I've had situations where uh, I've been shot at uh, and where you not only have to be effective and achieve the mission, but you also have to come back alive with your whole team uh, because you never go alone. You always fly with the whole team. So that is very central. And and I would say from day one that people uh, enter the the Air Force or I would say broader defense organization, that is what we try to instill with them is that we have to work together in such a way that we achieve both so that we're able to effectively do the mission but also survive to do it the next day, and and that also goes back to, I would say, the physical side of safety. Eh? Yeah. So how do you how do you do a mission safely, such uh, that you can achieve all those goals? Um, but it's also about, uh, I would say, the psychological safety, where every team member in that team can speak up yeah. when they see a risk that uh, needs to be taken care of, uh, so that as a team you can then quickly react uh, to it. Uh, and it's also about the contracts that you have gather in in a mission like that uh, where you know you can you can rely on the other person to take care of of his or her role uh, in the team uh, and and in that way trying to achieve the mission together as a team as well yes and that is the stuff that we try to instill our people from day one for for learning it starts with people speaking up yeah and yeah. saying you know what have they learned that mission or that day Uh, And how can we apply that the next day to be smarter and better?
0: Yeah. And a lot of clients I talk to uh, or talk with about psychological safety, it's always the question But how, right? We know that there is maybe an, uh, uh, some discussion or some psych- psychological unsafety, but how can we make sure uh, that there is this trust, that you mm-hmm. can rely on your team members and especially in situations as a mission? So you say we do that from day one, we uh, do the um, every every day we can learn, mm-hmm. but how maybe really cool concrete examples how do you make sure that you you instill that trust
1: yeah it's I think uh by by making it very tangible uh and so there so there's a sort of a I would say a, a hard or, or or structural side to that where you have mechanisms in your unit uh, where you work uh, where daily you put this kind of feedback loops I would say these these loops on the spot and say in our rhythm, in our daily rhythm, uh, when we go out and fly missions, we have uh, ways to uh, carefully look at, okay, so what did we learn? What was the discussion yesterday? How how do we apply that today in the mission that we will do today? Uh, and then how do we ensure that everything that that uh, that was learned so far can be applied uh, such that you improve the way you work again? Uh, and the, the way you try to achieve the mission. Uh, so it's, it's those kinds of mechanisms. So I, w- I would say that is the, 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 the structural side of, of planning and, and briefing, talking about those contracts, talking about how people should f- feel free to speak up a- at the right times during a mission uh, and having then, you know, doing the mission uh, and then uh, in the debrief making sure you really take the time to look back yeah. to see how you did that day. Uh, And then uh, create an environment where people, uh, regardless, I would say, of their rank, eh, because we are a military organization, and so we have hierarchy in there. Mm -hmm. So people would expect uh, for a hierarchical organization uh, to sort of, that that could be a reason where people don't feel free to speak up. But when we go do these missions, we basically leave our rank uh, uh, at at the door. and, uh, And we will go out as a team everybody being equal oh, yeah. uh, because these are all smart people that we select uh, in the units to be able to do those jobs uh, so they they have it in them uh, to provide opinions to provide angles, different angles to different problem sets that you're trying to uh, solve that day so creating an environment where you sort of unleash that I think is, is, is very much in our DNA and it's been like that ever since at least I've been with the Air Force and I've recognized this throughout my whole career yeah uh, so it's it's those kinds of things where you create a culture where people um, you know feel feel free to express themselves mm-hmm. in in those kinds of situations but also I would say more in the peacetime situation where you have more time and the problem sets are a little bit different yeah yeah um, but you, you can apply what you do during sort of a mission and in wartime and under high pressure also in the way we work uh, when we have more time yeah and I think that is also uh, what I've seen uh, a lot working I mean it, it's still not perfect I mean there's still lots of ways to improve it but I think we've we've come a long way already uh, in in uh, in trying to be as, uh, as as effective as we can in that
0: yeah. So, what role does leadership play in psychological safety um, at the Dutch Air Force?
1: <laughs> well, I think I think it's crucial that that you, as a leader, you should be aware of your role, and and I think we call it the shadow of the leader. Huh? So, so how you um, position yourself, uh, what you express when you are uh, confronted with certain situations, as a leader, I, I think it's us- usually important um, because. It sort of sets the tone, I think, for the dialogue uh, in the team, and I think it's it's important in that sense to be vulnerable and and to 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 also show and uh, uh, sort of uh, let the team know that that you don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a lot of things you don't know as a leader, and you need the team to help you uh, with fixing uh, problems and with uh, coming up with solutions. Yeah. So, sort of having that um, attitude as a leader, I think is is important, because then people feel free uh, to speak up and to really help you as a leader yeah. to come up with solutions.
0: Yeah, yeah. Show your vulnerab- yeah. vulnerability. vulnerability. Yeah. Okay. Previous uh, interviewee or a person I interviewed on, mm-hmm. on psychological safety by uh, uh, Petra Tito, uh, CHRO and the lead of consulting of Deloitte. And she uh, left a question for you. What I'm very curious about is, um, and I think the Air Force, but also the um, flight industry in general, I think, are very known for their rigorous candor. eh? Speaking up culture and and connecting that truly to safety. uh, And and not only psychological safety in this case, (laughs) but real true, I think, physical safety as well. Yeah. How do you come? How do you install a culture like that where people really feel the need and the desire to speak up? Yeah. And what lessons can we learn in organizations from that habit?
1: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very good question, uh, and it's an interesting one because I think uh, this applies not only to a military organization or an air force organization, but it, it I think it could apply, should apply. To all organizations. Uh, so, how do we create that culture? And and for the air force, um, I, th- I think it was always more sort of in our face because it all started uh, with physical safety. Uh, because uh, you know, flying aircraft uh, in harm's way is is inherently uh, a high risk activity and mm-hmm. high risk mission. Uh, and we've learned as an air force. Uh, with blood, I would say, our lessons uh, in the early early days when we started flying uh, and started doing more risk uh, risk high risk missions, uh, where we've had losses and where we've had accidents, which we could have avoided if we would have been smarter that day. So then you know the whole mechanism of 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 learning of of those mistakes and making sure we apply those lessons the next day to be a little bit better to sort of raise the bar. Mm-hmm. That has been uh, sort of building in our DNA uh, over the last decades. Uh, and we've become smarter at it uh, by also being able to throw more technology at it, more data analysis and, you know, all the tools that are available today. Mm-hmm. But it starts sort of with a gut feeling yeah. where the physical safety uh, is on the agenda and you, and you need as an organization to be uh, safe and to fly as safely as possible. hmm Um, And then with that, I think, comes the mechanism that says for us to do that, we have to have uh, a culture which we call a just culture where it's okay to make mistakes. uh, But then we need to talk about those and we need to have them on the table. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to be open about it. And we have the obligation to learn from it. uh, Because a mistake that you don't learn from and, and don't apply the lessons the next day uh, is a is a wasted mis- is a wasted opportunity I would say. Yeah. So that needs to be the the culture, uh, and so it starts with the physical safety, but then that rolls into I would say the the psychological safety, where people feel free and okay to speak up when they've basically made a stupid mistake. And trust me, I have made enough stupid <laughs> mistakes yeah. during my. Career, uh, not just in the flying side, but also on on uh, on the side when I w- did leadership roles. So I've uh, I've learned my lessons as well, but I've always tried to be open about those, be transparent about it, uh, so that others uh, can can learn from it. Uh, yeah. So, it, 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 but it starts with physical safety, and that I think rolls then it rolls into psychological safety.
0: Yeah, I like that link that you're making because. Um I, I always find it interesting to read more, and I, I learned a lot about our basic instinct, right? So we, as a human being, um, react in a certain way when we think we get uh, uh, our, our lives are uh, jeopardized, almost yeah, right or I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. and um, well, especially emissions. Then you you literally have that. But the funny thing is, is that I think we as human beings. Mo- a lot of the times think we are under pressure or we are uh, our lives are jeopardized uh, while we're even in a business environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our brains start to with the flight the, the, the known flight f- uh, fight flight freeze mm-hmm. reaction, right. So when uh, a new colleague approaches us or we get like a new request from a client, if I talk about my own situations mm-hmm. where I then I uh, immediately like my my uh, automatic pilot will go on, and I will have a certain reaction. And mm-hmm. then uh, that is maybe not always the right um, uh, solution or decision. So is it, can I almost, just to make it for myself more practical, uh, how how you work as a team, is it almost that you need to be able, when you're in a mission, to catch yourself using your automatic pilot and mm-hmm. say, no, oh, let's not yeah. use my automatic pilot, but let's yeah. now... But yeah, you need to train yourself. I think yeah, is, is that yeah. what you're doing as in the in the team? Is that yeah?
1: I, and, and you know, on the Worman, I I really rec- recognize what you say because um, and, you know, talking about myself, I've I've had 25 years of uh, being a fighter pilot, and then you you grow into different roles uh, of leadership also, um, but it's always centered around the mission. So usually there is there is the time pressure. Uh, yeah. Especially when you go in harm's way, or you send people in harm's way from a leadership role, you're always, if if you if you're not careful, you you sort of fall back. I would say into that reflex, yeah, modus where uh, you always quickly want to have an answer yeah. on any problem set, and usually you are able to do that from your experience and you because it's a mechanism that you have as a team also, and you're effectively able to employ that. But the question is. If you have more time, yeah. um, is, is that the best mechanism that you want to use? Yeah. And that, I think, is something that personally I've had to learn mm-hmm. because I, I was always used to, first of all, uh, as a leader, uh, I was in my head uh, sort of formulated already a solution that I think we should sort of work towards. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not careful, you're just looking for sort of the the head nod on that uh, yeah, from, yeah. from the team yeah. and, and before you know there's a group think that yeah. you doesn't lead to uh, perhaps the best result so going going through that and sort of breaking through that and taking more time to look at different angles and but also ensuring that the team is equipped to do that kind of thinking yeah. that is the the steps as an organization that we've tried to take and also as an individual I've tried to take and that also I think is a link to an important topic like uh, diversity uh, in your in your teams, yeah. and are your teams diverse in enough and uh, t- to be able to create that thinking, that creative yeah. thinking. Yeah. Uh, and and I've learned a lot from uh, the steps that that I've been able to make in the roles that I've had, where at some certain points I've I've created some breakthroughs. Uh, I think in the teams that I've worked with and led uh, by also looking at. Okay, so is the team equipped with the, the set of people that you work with to do that creative and critical thinking? Yeah. Uh, because the reflex uh, sometimes helps you and it's uh, sometimes good, mm-hmm. but in, in most cases it's not. And yeah. it's just not adequate enough, I think, to create a, a difficult problem set.
0: And so can I, uh, imagine then, or imagine maybe you did that really like the recruiting of the people in your team is then very important. I understand like what you did to transform towards, uh, towards this group thinking, collective thinking, diverse thinking, um, have you really, like, literally thought, okay, we now also need a person who thinks like this, or is yeah. is it like almost like a job posting type of no, thing? No, it's. You, uh,
1: to give you an example, about uh, two years ago, uh, in my uh, the Air Force Board, we call it, so that's sort of the board of directors, um, the executive board of the Air Force. It's about a team of of about five people, different roles. Um, it was. Until then, uh, and we're looking at sort of the the men women uh, division. It was it was only men uh, and no women yet. Uh, we had women, uh, female talent, uh, uh, plenty in the organization, mm-hmm. but we hadn't yet made the step uh, to get females into uh, our board level. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we the phase that we were in in as an organization with uh, lots of change, with a big transformation we're going through the critical thinking i thought was really important um and then the two just didn't match Uh, i felt the team was too sort of uniform uh um, so we needed to break through that so overnight uh, sort of i remember sitting uh, we we were out traveling me and my wife i was sitting with our little van somewhere and uh we're talking about this and we're going okay I need to change this. I need to hmm. I need to make a different decision here, a different choice. So I overnight I sort of decided to change two positions in our board. Uh, so basically, I had to disappoint two people that were yeah. slotted for certain roles, um, and I changed it overnight. I, I brought two women in uh, into our board, very talented per- persons, and I would say overnight also we started having different discussions. Yeah. On topics uh, that were crucial for the phase that we were in as an organization, and um, and it it sort of spread out through the throughout the organization, and I started noticing the difference also in the dialogue that you sort of create throughout your whole organization with a small simple thing like that. Yeah. So it's it's things like that where I think uh, as a leader in an organization you need to think about the influence you can have yourself. Uh, in in creating a diverse team. And now I'm talking about men and women, uh, but it's much more, obviously. It's also cultural background. It's it's all sorts of different ways to look at diversity. But um, making conscious decisions there, uh, I've learned at least, can be crucial in creating change, uh, a different vector, a different energy in your organization.
0: So since there was probably a culture that you developed, like we just mentioned about trust, right? There was a trusted environment. Mm-hmm. You were also able to make those, well, I call it a bold decision, but like decisions, and and probably also why it worked out that there was immediately a change. Is that, is yep. that something that's... Yeah,
1: I, I think it helped uh, because people sort of instinctively understood that sometimes these kind of bold decisions are necessary. Mm-hmm. To create a different energy or a different factor in your organization, so I think inherently uh, it was there, and that sort of supported those kinds of decisions. However, uh, other people were disappointed, yeah, you know, and I'm still approached uh, today uh, by people with with angry emails saying, mm-hmm. you know you've you've done me wrong because I was slotted to go to a certain position. Mm-hmm. And now uh, you've made a different decision, uh, where there's a different person with a different background yeah. uh, that has taken my place, yeah, so yeah. to speak. So yeah. it's yeah. you will also disappoint people of course. Yeah. Uh, in your talent pool. Uh, so it's also about making sure people understand why why we make these kinds I of think. decisions and, and choices. Yeah. And and the why uh, is about I think the strength of the team and and the. Uh, and ensuring that the mix of people in the team is such that you're you're optimally sort of equipped to perform the the mission that you have to perform yeah. that you want to perform
0: um Maybe one last question that I well two last questions. One is um, uh, one that and and uh, you said you learned from mistakes, right? And that is, I think, also one of the main elements of having a psychological safe environment is that you can learn from mistakes and that that it is okay to make mistakes. I can also imagine in situations where you were uh, where you have been in uh, that mistakes can be very painful. And uh, so, how how did you deal with making sure that then again still the trust uh, got well? Maybe there were some uh, situations where there was distrust mm-hmm. after a situation like that. Uh, how did you instill that or reinstall that uh, trust after?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think. Uh, and, and personally, uh, I've been in in different situations uh, where where we've made mistakes, um, and and you know potentially uh, we could have sort of lost people mm-hmm. uh, physically uh, through those mistakes that that were made. And um, I think our safety record as an air force has become a lot better uh, over over the last decades because. We we different. We we really approach uh, our, the learning side uh, uh, much more strictly and harshly and and vigorously. I would say uh, than we did uh, when I started flying. You mm-hmm. know, a long time ago. So th- we've we've had a huge learning curve in there. Um, but it's really all about creating an environment where you know you when and you you've basically made a mistake. You've done something stupid. Let's let's just n- mm-hmm. name it what it is. Mm-hmm. But you feel free and you feel safe enough to to admit your mistake, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then you know make it an experience that others can learn from. And mm-hmm. I've had different mistakes. I've had uh, an incident where I, I flew uh, with another person, F sixteen. We sort of did a mission where we call it dogfighting, where you f- you fly close together, uh, you try to get to a weapons position on the other person. And by flying really close together, the margins for error become very small. uh, And sometimes they become too small. And I've had an instance where I I almost uh, killed another person and myself by hitting the other airplane Mm -hmm. by being too focused on a a different task instead of the primary task that Mm -hmm. I should have been focused on, i.e. avoiding the other aircraft. So I felt really stupid when I came back. Uh, and I looked the other guy in the eye and I said, hey, we both nearly died today. We were about this close. Mm. Uh, but we're still here We and we live to tell the story. So let's tell it. Let's be open about it. Let's yeah. uh, show uh, what we did to the whole squadron. Yeah. And let's talk about it. And it's those kinds of moments where you also see how the group then reacts to it mm-hmm. uh, and how they want to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Uh and and then be able to you know apply that the next day. I think that that is always uh, brought the feeling home to me that hey, if we approach it this way, mm-hmm. you know this is the way how to how to deal with making mistakes. Yeah, then you exactly. can move forward as an organization.
0: Yeah, yeah. So also not use the mistakes. Uh, I think that is also uh, like not use it to cancel somebody. Yeah, if if something happens like that. or to punish like somebody. somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: yeah and yeah. and you know sometimes that can be the tendency also in the public eye yeah? so if and i think for any organization yeah, so if, if if an organization people organization make mistakes then sometimes in the public eye yeah. you know this there these people need to be punished because yeah. they did something stupid yeah. but that's why we think this just culture is so important because if as an organization you show that you were able to learn from it yeah. and you can make the team stronger and better then I think you have a a totally different outcome uh, from that mistake. And you've actually used that mistake as an opportunity, uh, much more than uh, something that needs to be dealt with with punishment. Uh, And I think if you're, as an organization, you're able to make that mental step, uh, then you're making really a big step. And I think, uh, you know, you should always try to work for that.
0: Yeah, great. I mean, I can talk for hours with you, I think, to get get more insights, but... I think we need to uh, need to finish up a bit. Um, our next guest is Daan van Knippenburg, Professor of Organizational Behavior at Rice University in Houston. What would you like to ask him?
1: Uh, I think any, any university is an interesting organization in the sense that th- there's probably some hierarchy eh, between the staff uh, and the professors and, 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 the, and the teaching staff uh, and the students themselves. Uh, I, uh, so, so my question would be, so how, how do you create uh, a psychologically safe environment where students, um, regardless of that sort of hierarchy which will be there mm-hmm. between student and teacher, I would say, how to create an environment where students are feel free to speak up mm. and to voice uh, voice their honest opinion? Yeah. Because that's not always easy, I think, for students to do that.
0: Yeah. No. Interesting question. Just a quick recap. Uh, we, we talked, uh, we, we touched upon many topics. Just uh, uh, what I wrote down here is uh, how to instill trust. It's really, and I, I really want to re-emphasize that. I think we talked about it last time as well, but it's, it's actually a daily thing and maybe almost an hourly thing, right? Every interaction yep. that you have. Make sure that you are able to feedback to each other. There's feedback loops upward, downward. Um, uh, that is something how you instill uh, trust also in your organization or in within the Air Force. Learn from uh, your mistakes and don't punish uh, yeah. uh, the mistakes that are uh, don't punish people who make who made the mistake. Um, everybody is equal, right? Take uh, leave your ranking at home. Uh, even there is hierarchy, uh, but it's more about the responsibilities and accountabilities, and uh, no, um, no, no ranking, um, and that everybody should have an opinion and uh, be able to to share their opinion. That's uh, uh, what I take from this uh, from this conversation. Thank you so much, uh, Dennis, for this conversation. It was a great one, and uh, I hope we can uh, continue later on as well.
1: Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. And
0: listeners, thank you as well. Uh, Speak to you uh, in the next podcast. One of the key elements of psychological safety is having an open dialogue and feeling free to speak up. So if you have any questions or would like more information, feel free to reach out to me or our colleagues. You can find the contact information in the description of this podcast. We're looking forward to learn and share.